Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Stephanie Von Watzdorf. And before we get to Stephanie, let me tell you about the website, which is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see photos of our guests. You can see stories that they've written. You can see stories that I've written. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media, which are, of course... Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. Follow us there. Follow us at all those sites. There are links to Apple Podcast and Stitcher Radio. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. Boo, Spotify in the news. Maybe I should get us off Spotify. If I knew how to do that, maybe I will. But at this point, I don't care where you follow us. Subscribe. Give us a like. I always ask if you can please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show by boosting our presence. And that would be a cool thing for you to do. Hey, maybe you think you'd be a good guest for the show. Maybe you know somebody who would be. Maybe you want to write me and say good things. Maybe you have travel questions. Whatever it is, if you want to get a hold of me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Well, for those of you who listened to the last episode where I talked about my misadventures working on a cruise ship... For those of you who didn't hear it, I got sick a couple times with stomach flu, and I had a detached retina, which required immediate surgery as soon as I got off the ship. On January 11th, I had surgery on my eye, and now I'm recording this on February 4th. To give you an eye update, I can see a little bit out of my right eye. There is a gas bubble in my right eye, which they use to help keep the eyeball in place and secure it against the retina. But the problem is this CO2 bubble of gas in my eye is going to hang around for the next couple months after the surgery. I'm almost a month away from the surgery. And if I could describe it to you, it's like looking through a half glass of water. And the bubble line would be like the line of water in the glass. And you know, if you shake the glass, the water line goes back and forth. That's what's happening in my eye right now. So basically, the bubble line is halfway in my vision. And above that line, I can kind of get my sight back. And this is only the last couple days I'm starting to see clearer above the line. But the problem is the line is right halfway in my vision. So I can't see below it. It's all blurry and just motion. So as you can imagine, it's highly annoying. I have been driving a little bit in the last week, only during the daytime and only locally have not tried the night driving yet because the lights really kind of mess with my eye. And I'm just not comfortable with that yet, but baby steps. A week from today on the 11th, I'll have my second follow-up appointment. We'll judge the progress. But they did say in the last appointment a couple weeks ago that things were looking pretty good, from the doctor's point of view anyway. I still won't be able to fly till about mid-March, but there is no pain in my eye. It's just a big hassle, let's face it. Still a little red, bloodshot but I'm making progress. And I'm still doing interviews. It was good to get back in the saddle and do an interview, especially when you have a guest as interesting as Stephanie Von Watzdorf. Now, Stephanie was put on my radar by Robin Dorian, who did the show a few weeks ago. Robin and Stephanie are friends, and Robin told me, you have to talk to Stephanie. She's been traveling all over the place since the pandemic. She's worked all over the world, has a very interesting life. And I said, sounds great. And Robin was not wrong, because when I interviewed Stephanie, I found her very interesting. And lovely and charming to talk to. She's a designer by trade. She's in the fashion industry. She started her own fashion business and sold it right around the start of the pandemic. She lives in New York. But like a lot of people in New York, when the lockdown happened, she looked elsewhere to escape. Ended up going to Kenya, Egypt, Costa Rica, the Bahamas. She's been all over the place. She was born in Europe and moved here as a child. She's always had one foot in America and one around the world. Travel is in her DNA like mine and probably like a lot of you listening. But it was really interesting to hear about her life, what traveling during the pandemic was like, and to hear about what's next for her. Please enjoy my conversation with Stephanie Von Watzdorf. 
Stephanie von Watzdorf. Did I say that yes. right? Yes. First are, time. That's great. You, yeah, because you are the you are the first and only von Watzdorf that I've ever met. What a great name. <laughs> it is. It, it's a it's a it's a, a family name from the eleventh century. Eleventh? Wow. Yeah. Germany, East I'm Germany. assuming. Yes. Correct. Robin, our mutual friend. Robin Dorian said that you your family history has some kind of like artists. In yes, it that, yes. That's not the 11th century part. That's the other okay. part. So I'm French, German, Russian. All right. And I was born in Europe, and I was born in Paris. Um, and my father's side is the old German side, but the uh, Russian French side are the they were choreographers and dancers. Probably the most, probably one of the more important ballet choreographers of the century. And my grandfather's name was Leonid Massine, M-A-S-S-I-N-E. So basically he was um, part of a dance ballet group in the teens, early teens from Russia. And uh, they, they were the first sort of collaborators for artists and dancers and set designers and cellists and opera singers. So I really grew up in a very... Um, colorful, very um, wild, bohemian sort of space and place as a child. Um, in well, the that sounds cool. World. That sounds yeah. cool. Is there, I mean, it was like, was there one of those things where uh, it was, a, I'm picturing very 70s, uh, you hanging out in, um, I don't know, Ibiza, <laughs> you and your family, <laughs> you know, very no, hippie. We, Come on. I mean, I, I want to hear those stories. Yeah, Give me something good. We, Give me something good. We, we uh, actually um, we hung out a lot on an island off the coast of Amalfi, you know, on the Sorrento Italy, coast. Italy, beautiful. Italy. So even though we're not Italian, both sides of my family somehow converged in Italy all the time. So I have I have Italian soul, of course. Um, and the island, my grandfather would go there every summer for you know four to six months and do all the rehearsals for the shows for the following years. Uh, for the following year. And he would bring in all the dancers, the costume designers, the dogs, the cellists, the opera singers, and they would all pile onto this island and rehearse. So it was it was relatively bohemian and hippie-ish, but very, very strict in terms of rehearsals, what needed to get done to open the season in September, October with a beautiful show. So, so you grew wild. up you grew up in a Fellini movie. Basically, basically, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a did, good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. When did you and your family get to New York? And it's—I don't know exactly what you do. I know you have—you're uh, a designer, right? And mm-hmm. I know you're involved in fashion. But give yeah. me the uh, give us the lowdown of what you do because the artistic streak went through you apparently. Definitely. I really did. Um, So I I am a fashion designer and I've been working fashion for over 25 years, almost 30 years and um, landed in New York as a, as a kid, as a, you know, seven, eight year old kid. And um, I had the, the wonderful, I had the the great luck to be brought up in both Europe and the U S so my mother married an American, remarried an American, and my father stayed in Europe. So I sort of was like this little package that went back and forth. So super easy, kind of adaptable, comfortable anywhere, talk to anybody, put me in a piazza or in a, in a Marrakesh market, and I'm happy to talk to the spice dealer or to the tea gatherer or to the gentleman who's reading poetry, you know. Yeah. I'm an, and then you go to the I'm, Bronx. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then I would do that too. Yeah, New York yeah. was amazing, <laughs> amazing in the eighties. Like amazing is New York was so, uh, and I kind of realized that at the time. But it was such a a great place to for artists and non artists, and you had finance people and music people, and you know, it's sort of like that was the beauty of New York. Which it just kind of changed a bit. Well, I mean, here's the thing about when I get into this danger, especially it's you know in, in stand up and stuff. As you get older, I'm in my fifties now, and mm-hmm. uh, we have this danger of romanticizing the old days. And and part of it, I think, is because we were younger. We were all younger, healthier, um, more positive. <laughs> we were all prettier and in better shape, and we romanticized the old days and stuff. But I remember, I mean, I moved to New York in '96. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of people were talking about, oh, it was so much affordable back in, you know, what it was the 70s and the 80s. And it was. Of course it yeah. was. It was more affordable, but it was also more dangerous and <laughs> falling apart and broke and everything else. So it was, uh, you know, we, we, yeah, it was affordable, but uh, there was a cost to that too. So, I mean, I don't know. We were all younger and more fun then and we went out and there's a difference. But the difference mainly in New York and most cities is they become more unaffordable, especially to artists. And we're, the, the artists are getting pushed out. You know, and that's you, ju- you just bad. said it, Mike. You just said it. It's yeah. like there is that's okay. So I'm a creative, I'm an artist. So you, I, I need, you know, we all need each other. Like ev- all of us need to mix together to make this amazing kind of vibe that happens in but any if, city. But have you seen this happen? This gentrification and this uh, artist getting pushed out in, in Europe as well, or is this a, a mainly American uh, thing? I know London, no, they are getting pushed London, out. London as well. And my friends in London, I have family in London as well. And to a certain level, Paris, but you can still kind of uh, find those little nooks. And it's just New York has changed. You know, it'll it'll probably recalibrate and then we'll see a new a new world, you know. But the cool thing is that is that there are a million other places to be and to live. So I don't know if I'm going to be here full time, you know. And with this pandemic, you know, I've realized more than ever, it's sort of, well, we can live almost anywhere and work from anywhere. Well, now let's get right into what you've been doing the last couple of years, because <laughs> um, back to your career, you sold a business, right? And yeah, so it sold, took off. Uh, it, yeah, it's, you know, we, 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 we struggled um, a lot, like many smaller businesses in fashion, especially because the type of product that uh, we were doing was catering to getaway, warm climates, you know, the Ibiza, the, these beautiful sunny destinations and sort of the world stopped and nobody was traveling anymore. So that did put a little halt to sales. <laughs> and so, look, I had a, a almost 10 year um, st- long uh, stint with the company. So it was probably kismet that it happened at this time. And um, I, d- I felt like after 10 months of being literally locked down in New York City, in, uh, in lower Manhattan, um, that I needed to move my shake it up and just figure something out. So I ended up going first to Colorado at the, at the invite of a really close girlfriend of mine who said, please come out here and <laughs> get to nature. And, you know, everybody was terrified getting on a plane. I was the only person on the plane. I think there were like six people on this flight. Um, and that was in sort of mid of all of that. It was like July, maybe of 2020, whenever after we yeah. locked down. I'd, <clears throat> it was pre-vaccine. Pre-vaccine. And not even, not even knowing if there was going to be a Like, nobody, you know. Yeah. I took road trips and, uh, in 2020. Good. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's all I can do. Well, the, you know. But when I, my feet landed on the ground in Colorado, it was like, <gasps> you know, I couldn't, I, it, I could, it was the whole world shifted. I was completely shut down for a good, you know, solid four or five days adapting to the altitude. And then I went hiking with my best, one of my best friends. And it was like the whole world just shifted. So I think we've all learned that connecting to na- nature and going on road trips and um, being connected to that is so important, probably for city dwellers like myself. You know, I'm a sw- city dweller who also craves nature more than ever. Um, yeah, me yeah. too. I, you know, I ran to the uh, the desert. I ended up, you know, the day See? after the day after there was a riot uh, a couple blocks from <laughs> my house in L.A. I uh, just yeah, just went out to these the canyons in southern Utah and and. Arizona, oh, good, right? just, uh, oh yeah, I just need to breathe, you know, and, breathe. and when was your first trip? Okay. So you sold during, after the pandemic or you, did you no, sell uh, right before? Smack in the, smack in the middle, my friend. Oh, <laughs> so okay. December, 2020. And, um, I had gone to, um, I had gone to Colorado and I knew I had to like organize the studio, like get rid of stuff, put things into storage. And one of my really close girlfriends said, I'm in Kenya. Um, 
get on a plane and come and stay with me. In Kenya? What, was it open? I mean, Africa. Yeah, yeah, I know. Totally open. <laughs> oh, not, totally. not the other Kenya? Thanks, thanks <laughs> no, for no. telling me that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Africa. Oh, that, that Kenya. You Thank you. that one. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> thanks for clearing that up. So, but I mean, it wasn't so easy to, I mean, what was no. their visa requirements? I mean, were they making you test to get in or? I had to find somewhere to get tested COVID, like do the, um, both te- the COVID test, the other tests. Um, it was a bit complicated, but it didn't really matter because I knew I kept thinking I've just got to get on that flight and get to, and I have a French passport. So it was uh. a little bit easier for me to, to get in there in terms of visas and all that. Um, and then once I landed there, I went right into the zone, sort of, you know, I was in Nairobi, things were quiet, but they were, you know, people wearing masks, but everything's outside. You feel like you can breathe, you know, I connected to all my friends there. And I was like, this is the best place for me to be. Well, I've been in Nairobi, and if you're trying to get out of uh, hustle and bustle, Nairobi is not the place to be. I mean, Kenya, you got to get out in the country. You can't. We Nairobi, did. We did. Nairobi is pretty crowded. It is pretty crowded. I was on the outskirts in Karen, okay. you know, where there's a sort of expat community. And I had some artisans that I wanted to meet with, of course, when I landed, because my whole, um, you know, my whole way of traveling is always connecting to the artists. So back to that, you know, reference to the artists make the city, make the town, make the place, and then they feed your soul. And we exchange and we create, you know, so it would be weird for me to arrive somewhere and just go to lunch or go to, a, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to like dive in right, right away. Was your business uh, clothes or was it? Yes. Uh, okay. So was it like accessories too, like bags yes. and shoes and everything. Everything, everything. All right. What was it called? Um, it was called Fig. F-I-G-U-E. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And um, it still exists. It's just owned by somebody else now. So gotcha. And you have on. no no part of it. No, I don't. I don't have any more. It's it's. I've left it to them. <laughs> does so, it does it feel great or does it feel weird to see somebody um, else with the, with the name and everything else? Well, I would. It, it, it's it's different, and um, I'm so proud of it and what we built with this team of people. And um, I'm so happy that it got to where it got to. And so I, I kind of leave it at that and I'm on to the next. And, you know, this is my, you know, I love working with artisans, but I'm going to kind of feed into that and see what that means and where, where it takes me. Um, and I also am really passionate about conservation. I've been to Kenya quite a few times. So I think it's all going to link together somehow, the artisans and conservation and helping um, you know, elephant rescue and wildlife rescue, specifically to Kenya because I have a connection there. I've been there so many times, but all of Africa, basically. So my last uh, big trip before shutdown was uh, I went into Uganda Thailand? and Rwanda, oh. and I went gorilla trekking. I, I saw the gorillas. Oh, that's what and, I want to do next. Oh yeah, yeah it's yeah, great. Yeah. But we're worried. You know, when everything shuts down, a place like that makes all their money off tourism. I know. And the tourism helps the uh, conservation because a lot of the Mm -hmm. trackers were all former uh, poachers, you know. So they're, you know, you have to convince the locals that that gorilla is worth more alive than dead. You know, you got to think long term. But the fear was that with all the tourism shut down, is what happened. It was what the, the poaching kind of picked back up again and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. Kenya's, big sure thing, Kenya's big thing is tourism as well. And when it all shut down and you were there, did you see a change? And, and yes. How, yeah. How, what was it, it like? Was, um, it was uh, really um, I, I, painful because I felt um, helpless. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I'm such an empath. I'm like, actually, every tiny little bit helps. So it sort of fueled me to figure out what I was just saying, which is whatever I do next in, in, in my work and business, it's going to have to funnel some of it into helping um, conservation. And, you know, with global warming happening at the same time, there's such a shortage of water right now. It's so dry and arid. So there's so many, you know, conservation is like a whole big it's a big monster of, uh, of, of 
of issues to tackle. But I think one step at a time, one little, every little bit helps. And even just making people aware that this is happening is important. So um, I'm super committed to that. And um, there's, there's a way to create and do, I think collectively as, as groups of us are kind of coming together to figure out how to create awareness, continue sharing stories and um, make some change happen over there. And it's exactly like Uganda, perfect example. You know, it's all the same ecosystems that are, you know, kind of broken due to this. It's really, really hard to see. So how long were you in Kenya? Oh, six months. (laughs) Six months. Wow. Okay. So Um, how did, how did they handle COVID and what was their strategy over there? You know, uh, the conversation never really focused on COVID and they kind of take it in as a uh, COVID as being part of the West and what's happening in the West. Um, Yes, people were masked, but you have like outside living, you know, whether you're in camps or you're trekking or you're on the seaside, wherever. I I kept moving like every two, three weeks um, into different areas. And um, it wasn't the the topic is survival on a different level and how are we going to get through this and how, when is the world going to come back and when are tourists going to come back and how do we keep our cattle, you know, with their bellies full and their, their and grasses fed and how, how do we, that's their, that's their, what they were thinking about. Not, they weren't really handling or dealing with COVID because they also didn't have immunization. So uh, it's sort of like, <laughs> Can't it's just another thing. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, an, you know, Africa has is, is been hit so with so many. I know. They had Ebola. Viruses. They had this. They had. I mean, it's a new thing every every other year. Africa, is, I always tell people, it's just, uh, you know, it's the most amazing and the most heartbreaking place yes. I've been. You know, you get every extreme there. You it's, do. Uh, you they've do. been through so much, whether it's from outside forces or each other. It's yeah. so hard for them to get a foothold on, you know, to get ahead. You, you hope love, for it. I just love the um, the optimism, the creativity, the um, sunshiny dispositions. You know, people with less than less than less, and and with such an open heart, and inviting you in for a meal or a tea or a chat. You know, I, I just I really love that. It's such um, it's. Africans, you know, it's it's quite different in different parts, and I have I, I know Kenya the best, but it's so wonderful to to experience that. So six months in Kenya, and then most people would think, "Oh, you're ready to come home," but you kept going, oh, didn't you? No, 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 <laughs> I wasn't coming home. By the way, so then um, I knew that at that point I knew the vaccines were coming out. I was like, "Boom! I got to get back to the U.S. and try and get a vaccine when I was eligible for it." But um, I was like, meanwhile, I'll stay here. All of a sudden, I had like, um, I don't know, it was like 18 hours to figure out they were shutting down Kenya. So that could have been a scenario where shutting it down for COVID because cases were getting worse and worse. And um, there were all these sanctions. And I don't even know what was going on. It was the president made an announcement. And the guy in my little cute hotel where I was at that moment came up and said, Stephanie, what you going to do? <laughs> I said, with what? And then he said, the president, he makes an announcement. <laughs> Are you going to stay? You're going to leave? I was like, oh God. Okay. So I couldn't get on a flight onto British because they were all, all the Brits jumped onto that, which is what I was booked on to return. And so I kind of did some searching and I figured that I could get to Cairo without any issues if I had a COVID test. And I had a friend who was there, my friend Kelly, who organizes trips there. Um, and she just happened to be there with uh, with some people and she had just finished. And so I texted her. She usually lives in Africa. And I was like, I'm on a flight at 7 a.m. Can you help me organize a trip through Egypt tomorrow? <laughs> and she laughed and she was like, yes. I was like, I can't go home yet because it's, still crazy and I can't get a vaccine, but I can come visit Egypt. And that's how that happened. And I somehow ended up on the Nile at the Giza pyramids. I had the most incredible 
trip there um, with no one. I mean, there were literally like maybe there were two Russian tourists, one one or two French. I, I don't even know who they, what they were, but you, you noticeably didn't see anyone. So the Egyptians were like, oh, come into the tombs, come to the museum. The museum's always like by myself. It will never be like guide. that again. It will never, never be like that again. You'll never get that experience. I mean, I walked into Nefertiti's tomb with, you know, 20 other tombs I was visiting that day by myself with the tour guide <laughs> who was with me explaining the history, which was remarkable. You know, it was like, it was like, um, it's surreal because usually there's, there, there is tourism. Now, I remember with the Arab Spring, um, over you know 10 years ago i think it was in egypt um a lot of things shut down and the country is really raw from that and then yeah. covid happens so they depend as much on tourism as uganda and the rest of the um you know countries in oh, that yeah. part of the world so the the it was magic these people did everything and this this group this tour group which is expat the village. Um, I'll have to send it to you because it's just, she's so amazing. This woman and her team there, this friend of mine, Kelly, they just, they did, they, I was in on another planet and I'd wanted to go there. It was a dream for so many years, but I couldn't get there because of this or work and, you know, so detour, (laughs) the detour through Egypt. And I was there for, I think it was like, three weeks or something. Um, and then I got a text saying, uh, the, um, the vaccines are available soon. So head over this way. Maybe you can get it. That's what I did. I headed over eventually. I mean, Mike, the airport at Heathrow was empty when I went through. You'll never see that again either. I'll never see that again. (laughs) Heathrow is a zoo. Heathrow is nuts all the time. It it was like very few people. And um, yeah, so I got back here, got my first vax, and then somehow ended up in Costa Rica with some other somehow and- <laughs> <laughs> what were you drugged and uh, i want to get before we get there i want to get back to uh yeah. egypt because yeah. egypt is on my dirty dozen uh bucket list places i still haven't been okay. believe it or not you're gonna go you're gonna last go. time i was close go. was uh too far after the it was too close to the arab spring and mm. uh i just didn't make it and it's always been for one reason or another it's always like the wrong time of year it's been yeah, yeah. it's been one thing now i'm i'm going okay this is ridiculous i gotta go and also i i didn't want to rush through it i didn't want to like you know oh, i'm gonna do, do it in a few days it's like no i want to give it some some time so give me a tip or give us all a little a few tips from someone who was just in egypt how much time do i need what should i see what what can i skip you can definitely, there's nothing that can be skipped. I, I think every <laughs> single morsel of every moment was I'm, like. Yeah, I'm also a scuba diver, so I wanted to go, I wanted to dive oh, in uh, Sharm El Sheikh there, the, yes, the Red Sea. Yes. Yeah. That's a, yeah, I had read that you're a scuba diver. Yeah. Um, yes, there is scuba diving there. And um, my friend Kelly can definitely help you with figuring that out. Um, I would say just go in with a totally open mind and let the people who do this, you know, with such love and care, who this is their business, let them take care of you and definitely get a guide um, who knows his, they're like, they're like, you know, scholars and they tell you the history. <laughs> and this is the, one of the most remarkable ancient civilizations of all time. Um, Cairo is remarkable too. It's super, it's super crazy there and broken. And, you know, it's sort of, there, but the one thing is that everybody's so welcoming to foreigners and so um, happy to see people coming in. And I would say book it right away. Don't wait another 10 days or three months or just book it and you can always relook at it. But this is the time to go because nobody is there. You can see King Tut's tomb if you want. You can see his <laughs> body, you, his, his mummy, the mummification, you know. And they've just discovered all these other, they've unearthed all these other um, areas. There's an excavation everywhere. Definitely go on the Nile on a boat, even if it's three, four days. You know, you can do it in 10 days. 
a really beautiful trip there, like a magnificent trip. How are the prices there compared to like other big? Like nothing. Like it's so manageable, so reasonable. And I think that's the other um, advantage of traveling um, during the time of COVID. No, traveling at this time because you you can land in these magnificent, beautiful places. And it's so reasonable because, you know, they just have no tourism. So, or very, very, very little tourism. And um, I would say it's, it's probably the most important time to go to a place like Egypt. Just book it. Just did you get it. food? Did you get food poisoning? That's a big one in Egypt. Mm, no, um, I am so picky. Um, <laughs> that's the one thing I was really sick years ago because I spent a lot of time in India and I got very, yeah. very sick. Um, in the, India took me out too. Yeah, I think I had heard you say that. Yeah, it's pretty. I've said it before on here, but that. Yeah, and I was careful, I it's, but it's going to get you eventually in India. Well, it's um, it's always you know bottled water wherever you go, not from street vendors, from any hotel or you know any small little lodge or whatever, and also only cooked foods, only cooked foods, only cooked foods, no fruits, no, no none of that stuff. You yeah. know, <laughs> just like rice, and I I don't even eat the meats. I just have I'm yeah. a, generally a vegetarian, and you'll be fine. You know, so I was I was actually okay. Okay, so now you get back here, you get your shots, and then. Somehow you end up in Costa Rica? How does that? Yeah. Oh, so I don't know how that happened. Mine... <laughs> so we're like in May now, I think May, June. And, um, and a friend of mine said, listen, one of the, um, a couple of people on this trip canceled. There's this extra room. You can basically have it for, you know, nothing. And um, it's in this amazing space and place in Santa Teresa, which is a big surfing um, community. Santa Teresa, and um, off, off we went. Off I went. Booked, is it, booked a flight. Is that on the uh, Pacific or uh, Atlantic side? Yeah, or Pacific side, and then yes. um, is that in the Nicoya Peninsula? Because I was in Nosara. I don't know if that's close. It's not Nosara. It's a flight away. Um, you'd have okay. to look at the map to be more precise. Um, but right. it's really, it's really beautiful and super rustic and raw and amazing. And, you know, I always, I, I somehow gravitate to these sort of islands that are kind of rustic off the beaten path. You know, I was in Kenya, I was on, in Lamu, like on the coast of Kenya, which is, uh, you know, near Somalia and going up and down the coast. And it, it, it's just like a world heritage site. So I like those kinds of places. I don't love when it's too built up or too perfect or you know, um, and it's just more, it's more, more beautiful, more wonderful for me as an experience. So Santa Teresa, you have incredible vegetation, incredible food, um, cute, tiny little hotels. And it's like, it's so easy to get there really. And, um, yeah, you need your, you need your COVID tests, your shots, your boosters, whatever, but did you, then you're, you're good. Did you drive from San Jose or did you fly from there? I flew from okay. San Jose um, because I had to get there quickly to meet my friend and blah, blah, blah. But you can drive too. Mm-hmm. You can drive. How long in Costa Rica? And are you a surfer? Um, I, I'm a surfer in my brain. <laughs> right. That's kind of like me. I like everything around surfing, except maybe the actual surfing, which is hard yeah. and sometimes wow. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I learned to surf was Costa Rica. What does camp? In Nosara oh, there. Yeah, for a week. Recently? No, this was, I don't know, geez, 10, 15 years ago? 15 years ago. I've heard Nosara is really amazing. And it's a great. surf camp place. That's, yeah, that's what it's about. And, you know, tons of you know, people go there to, just for that reason, to learn yeah. <laughs> to surf. And it was, it was great, but, you know, surfing's uh, easier to learn when you're a kid, like a lot of things. Yeah. And you're fearless. Yeah. And you have all the energy in the world and you don't get sore and you don't have a bad back. <laughs> you know, yeah. A lot of different exactly. things. Exactly. <laughs> you don't you don't fear death or drowning. You know, one of those things. <laughs> but uh, well, I had a great time. I still love the beach and I still, you know. So wonderful. That that yeah. country is just luscious. And so I love the, it. The, what is it? Uh, Pura Vida, right? Pura, Pura Vida. Vida. Pure life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, super amazing. And um yeah, so I would like to go to Nasara actually next um, on the next trip. 
So how, how long were you in Costa Rica? Just, just like over a week. And then I ended up in Miami uh, for some work meetings and, you know, everybody, everybody no, ends up no, in Miami. <laughs> totally. But I have great <laughs> friends there. So, um, and the weather is amazing. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And now, okay. So, so Egypt, Kenya, Costa Rica. Um, oh, Portugal. Okay. Well, let's talk Portugal about that. I love months. Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> two months? You just happen to forget you were in Portugal for two months? No, I was going down a sequence of events. Okay. Um, yeah, so Portugal. Um, a friend of mine was going there, and I have great friends who are probably moving there. And, um, you know, everybody's working remotely, Mike. So I have a dream of uh, moving there, but now it's been found out and everybody's going there. Well, who cares? <laughs> you, can, you can get there, too. You know, I know it's a, it's it is room for everyone. They're already changing the rules and visa requirements because so many people are going. I think so. They're yeah. making it a little tougher. So, what part were you in? There's a will. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, my friend. Yeah, what, yeah. What part were you in? Um, I was in in Lisbon. I wanted to sort of vibe on Lisbon, and um, then we went to Comporta, which is on the coast. We went uh, to Porto. The Algarve. Oh, yeah. no, you're no, a, okay. it's not Porto. quite Algarve. I haven't been Porto to Porto. Oh, it's great. I've been what to Lisbon and the city. Algarve, but I haven't been to Porto, which I heard is great. Uh, it is. It is. It's okay. really beautiful. And then we went into the north in uh, wine country and Ooh. all through those areas, which are just amazing. And Sintra. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Sintra? No, which I Which is a really uh, old historic sort of, it's, it's the place where... Um, all the old families would go in the summertime, all the European families would go in the summer to get you know fresh air and cool weather because it right. has, a, has a very interesting weather shifts in that part of the region. It's very interesting what goes on in Portugal, by the way, climate wise. It could be super chilly in one area and like hotter than Hades in another area. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, there was more I wanted to see, but I ended up spending a lot of time in Comporta on the coast, which was just magical. Um, the most beautiful beaches and just, you know, horseback riding and swimming and, you know, it was August at that point. So That's hot. everything was hot and quiet, but, uh, and rustic. So, uh, I was talking to a couple people from Portugal and they were saying that it's like they were getting visitors, but it was mostly Europeans. You know, the Germans will always come <laughs> and, uh, but I know some people that ran a hotel and they were saying that they were dealing during the pandemic mostly with other Portuguese. So it was, it was like, yeah, it was a lot of, there were like two hours outside of Lisbon. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, it was like a lot of people, what was happening here and I guess in New York, anything like two hours outside of the city, during, people were like running to just to get yeah, away yeah. and get out of town. So that's what they were you know, making their money on during the pandemic <laughs> was yeah. mostly people escaping the city, at least for a little while, and just, you know, Airbnb or, or, you know, just staying at a resort for a little while just to get out of town. There are some incredible Airbnbs there. I oh, mean, yeah. Um, and really, really manageable financially. It's so, um, it's, you know, quality of life in that country is, it's sensational, probably more so for for the equivalent, you know, of the dollar than any other place that I've been to at this point. Did you go anywhere <clears> else <throat> in Europe while you were there? Um, I didn't. I have family in, um, I had family, I was supposed to go to Italy, but you know, the COVID thing was kind of, it was hard to navigate where to go. And then my whole family got COVID. And so, you know, oh, I hope they're all right. Gonna, they're, they're, they're all okay. Oh, good. And, but I sort of avoided that. Yeah. <laughs> area. Good call. Um, yeah. Um, so I'll head back there at some point in the springtime for sure. So um, yeah. did you, did you, were you still seeing like artisans and stuff in, in Portugal or were you getting yeah. ideas? Yes. Yes. I'm definitely, um, yes, definitely connecting with that. That's just sort of, um, that's my passion to travel to, it feeds my soul, as I mentioned. And um, connecting with the art- artists and communities in any country that I go to. And 
it's it's all correlated. There's something with all of this. And even the business that I had, I would always bring in um, products that I would find from different places and um, you know sell them. And it was it was just like it was so gratifying to see um, the fruits of their labor and to be able to talk about it and tell the stories of what all where all these things come from. Um, yeah, I'm an eternal seeker of global of global <laughs> goodies, and I love to share. So not to get political or anything like that, which I don't like to yeah. do, or or but it's impossible oh, sure. not to entwine <laughs> it. No, really, it's not. It's impossible not to entwine. Uh, the crisis and everything with it, at least here, because like in the early days, I did an interview like right before it really kind of came here. So like March right. of uh, 2020, when it was locked down in Italy, I talked to my friend in Italy and asked her, what what can we ex- expect when it comes here? And she said, well, if you can give any advice, don't politicize it. And that's the first oh, thing well, we did here. That's the first so, thing that happened. Having seen it from you know, traveling through different, what, three different continents yeah. <laughs> and, and seeing the crisis from the outside. And then also here, what have you learned? What lessons do you take from all this? And what is your take on how it was handled in different places? And where do you think it's headed? Oh, uh, well, that's a loaded question. Um, I that's why I didn't want to load it too much, but no, you know. I, I, I was, I was, um, I was surprised, but I, I realized how how impactful the United States is as a as a ma- major world leader, um, and how the voice of the, the U.S. is so key to so many economies. Um, and I, I, of course, I knew that, but when it when it hits each continent, each country, so hard, um, it it does come up more so than COVID. What comes up is oh, the U.S. Oh, the United States. Oh, the president, you know, or, you know, so I, I was, I was saddened because I was thinking, you know, we are, this country is the leader of, or one of the great leaders of the free world. And why are we in this place? And everybody sees it globally. You know, why is it so divided? Why is it so complicated? And um, it sort of um, pointed out the, the imbalances that exists and how the press <clears throat> has sort of become, you know, people don't, they don't even really want to read the newspaper anymore. You know, uh, they read what they want to read on, on whatever newsfeed. And so, <clears throat> but the, the United States has a, a pretty loud voice, but there's a lot of dis- disappointment and that's just generally across the board. And, um, you know, I think with uh, the COVID we're going to be dealing with this for uh, I probably our entire, the rest of our lifetime, like you and I, for sure. And um, we're just going to have to learn to deal with it, to live with it, you know, mask up when, when we have to, it's going to be sort of like second nature. We'll get boosted. It's like getting a vaccine for the mumps or the measles or a flu shot. We'll get, you know, a COVID shot. And I don't think we need to think about it so much. We just do it and move forward and connect with humans and the most important thing is, I think, we re- all realize that we really need each other on not just on a virtual screen, but we all need each other. It's like human connection. And we need to travel and we need to connect with our other continents and other people and understand and be more accepting and be more open and listen and really listen and be part and engaged and really, you know, feel, figure out where you want to be and help make the world just a little bit better, you know, and not be so polarized and so terrorized and so in fear. And travel really does that. And I think for me, I'm so grateful that I have this, um, this genetic gene that is called the, it is called the travel. I think it's, there, it's a real, by the way, you must have it too, by the way. Oh you yeah. Have Whatever it, it is, I got it. It's the, uh, it's a travel, you're genetically are set up with a gene that makes you want to discover, look, see, find, realize, absorb other places. A wanderlust gene? Yeah. It, <laughs> look it up when we're done with this. Okay. And, you know, all of the, everybody who's listening, Google it. Dick Harvard <laughs> did a re- some research and somebody told me about it and it's, it's called the nomad gene. N-O-M-A-D. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, you know, I got that. Whatever all, it is, I got it. You, 
So I think, you know, this has all given us time to really think about who we are, where we want to be, and how we can make a difference for the next whatever amount of years with less fear. So where's your next trip? What's next for you? Uh, well, I was just in the Bahamas. Okay. This is awful. <laughs> this, this, whole, this whole tour. You have made the most out of this pandemic than anybody I know. I know. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> and really, because I've had, it was just like l- lucky and amazing friends and people taking care of each other and inviting me in. And, you know, I think that that's, that's really what this has been about. And a, a sense of no fear too, just like going with it. Do you find like, as I get older, maybe you find the same thing that uh, more of my trips are tend to be about seeing friends yeah, <laughs> and more than ever now i think that just it, yes. you realize time is short and also yes. it's just more fun and it's and one of so the benefits of getting fun. older is that i have these friends around the world yeah that i, I want to go see but a lot of yes. times it's up it's up to me to go see them just because yes. i'm a little more flexible than they are to to get out so i uh i'll go out of my way now more than i did in the past to uh stop and see friends where whereas before I was okay with just backpacking on my own or whatever for mm-hmm. you know weeks after a couple of weeks on my own I was like okay I'm ready to see some friends <laughs> now it's, you, and probably yes we're getting older and and wiser and we also kind of know who we are and what feels good to our hearts like you want to you know you want to feed your heart so that you feel good and and specifically because so many of us were locked down for so long or sort of stuck in these sort of weird spaces and places. So it's sort of, uh, you know, it's sort of amazing that we're we're at this place like, wait a minute, I can, this is our world. It's for (laughs) us to discover. And there's all all kinds of ways. You don't have to do, you know, in the most expensive way. There's so many ways to move around the planet economically and thoughtfully and fill your heart. You know, that's what I've learned. And I'm just sharing it because it's part of who I am. But I think there are a lot of us out there, you know. So you were in the Bahamas and you came back to New York just in time to get snowed in. (laughs) I got to imagine I got to imagine you're going to be leaving soon again. One more snowstorm will send you away. You really don't know me so well, but I guess you do. (laughs) So where, where next? It's going to be somewhere um, warm. Back to warm, Costa Rica. Yeah, you're going to go back to I Costa Rica. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'll probably head back to Miami for a bit because I can. I have some work there too, um, like actual physical. I can meet with these people. That's the other thing. You can't really. I came back here to do physical meetings um, for a project that I'm working on, but it's that's hit or miss. You never know. So I did that, and now I'm ready to go leave again. So. Will you always have a place in New York? We always keep an apartment there. Yeah, well, my mom's here. My mom's oh, here. Okay. So my stepfather and my mom are here, and um, so it, it's and I have great friends and family here. So you know, yes, I'll always be back. I just don't have to be here all the time. You never once escaped up to uh, Robin's place. Yeah, a couple hours. Oh, oh you did. I okay, love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I want to go back there as soon as possible to breathe in the fresh air. But, Did it make yeah. you want to get a country place? Because I knew everybody, like, this is what I learned when I first moved to New York, that anybody who could, after a while, after like 20 years in New York, they either left or had a place somewhere outside the city to escape yeah. to. <laughs> Just I to breathe a little bit. I thought about that. I would usually go, you know, crash with friends, and which, you know, fills your your soul, yeah, fr- too. Friends in high places. That's what I need. Friends, more. exactly. Friends and family. Um <laughs> So lucky to have that. And, you know, I would really, my downtime, it would be traveling. Sure. I mean, I've been, I really will get on a plane anytime and go discover the magic of any place, anytime. <laughs> Do you own any uh, property anywhere else? Like in any nope. other country? And if you were going to, do you have a place picked out? Have you gone yes. to one country and gone, okay, this is, this is where I want to end up? Italy? Sure. Portugal. Yeah. Well, those are good calls. Right? Yeah, you can't really no. go wrong. In my dreams, that's kind of where I, yeah. 
And I speak Italian, you know, I worked in Italy for many years and lived there. So I feel very connected to it. Portugal's right next door. I just love the lifestyle. Get back to that um, island you used to go to as a kid. Where's that? I wish. That's off the coast of Positano. Oh, find it's that owned place. By, yeah. I, I'm just, I can find that kind of a place, you know, create a different sanctuary. Yeah. Well, give me your uh, a bucket list. Where have you Where have you not been that you want to get to? What's on your list? Um, I really want to. <clears throat> I really want to go to New Zealand. Oh, beautiful! It's beautiful there. Right. Yeah. You've, have you been there? Oh yeah, a couple times. It's uh, great. It's nature wise. It's it's gorgeous. It's really really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, far. It's just it's just not on the way to anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the yeah. way to Australia, maybe. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's just a haul to get there. But it's it's great. Um. Then I want to get to Vietnam. Love it. Been right? there a couple times. Oh, see. Yeah. Um, and then I there's so many different uh, countries within Africa that I want to go to. West, I really want to explore West Africa and Uganda, Zambia, Botswana. Like those. I, I'm very pulled into Africa. There's something, something in the universe keeps pulling me back there. So somehow, wherever I'm based or have spend more time, I will always be going back to Africa. So that's the reality of it. Yeah. Is there a place? Sure. Is there a place you've been that you were like, man, I'm okay if I never come back to this place <laughs> that you weren't a fan of? Um. Yeah, Bali. Really? Just because too touristy. Yeah, it's become so, so. I went there many times, actually, um, many times, like four or five times. Um, I remember in its heyday, I spent some time there when I left Milan. I spent like six months there, so I actually lived there, um, and it was amazing. And then I went back time after time, and then it just sort of it became too touristy, and there's just something. Yeah, it went down a dark path for me personally. So it's I, not I, great. I blame tourism, but... Ypres Love. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I blame <right>. that. <laughs> so now it's like well, uh, white ladies in yoga pants walking around Ubud with yeah. a with a mat under their shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> drunk okay. Australian. Yeah, lots of it. Just like it got kind of dark. If that makes any sense, I don't I know. Like aggressive, dark. Um, for me. And so I don't have to ever go back there. And there's so many, there, I think there are 1500 islands in that area. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like Lombok Indonesia. It's, it's crazy. That. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't mind doing that. Okay. Give me the, uh, worst flight you've ever had. Oh, the worst Scariest, was, uh, anything worst experience. I w- uh, yes. <laughs> I flew to, I was flying to, um, Argentina for a specific event and I was in Paris and um, the del- we had like 12 hour delays and then we got on the flight from Paris to um, Buenos Aires and in the middle of the flight and the person I was traveling with it, she's terrified of traveling so that was a whole something happened with the plane and it started shaking like not like normal turbulence um, and all of a sudden we just heard like everything like beeping, bopping, and basically they had lost an engine. Oh. I mean, it, it fell out. And so we had to do an emergency landing in, um, Uruguay and we spent like 10 hours in the airport of Uruguay. We couldn't get out. It was just bizarre. <laughs> and basically we missed the event in Argentina, Buenos Aires, which was <laughs> fine because we actually lived we survived so yeah who cares about that that's good oh we missed our event sure we lost an engine but we we, yeah, we made it through we didn't crash <laughs> in the ocean my poor friend was like catatonic i was oh, no. literally sick for two days from the stress of it all um but then we landed and okay after two days and then we went to a lenny kravitz concert so oh, well, make up for it. Like, so. yeah, go stare at Lenny's abs for an hour <laughs> and a half. And that's always amazing. fun. Sure. <laughs> oh, you know, there's the highs and lows to every flight, sure. every trip. But that was, a, that was the craziest one. Um, and it was sort of 
they should have told us because we could re- we realized something was definitely off and um it was the middle of the night basically so i think it's because we were so tired also from just waiting in the airport having flown from new york and the whole you know waiting in paris and then getting on that flight was challenging but uh on the nerves <laughs> how about any kind of uh police or border patrol or any have any kind of uh, issues with them you ever had to bribe an official or anything like that um no i've been stopped quite a few times by um various police like in mexico and um actually um in argentina you know not nothing and as a woman sometimes you can just be a little uh-huh. You have a little fun, a little okay. a little bit of humor goes a long way. Charm them a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the only time where you can sort of, yeah. But I've never had any issues, really. Well, speaking of uh, being a woman, I mean, have you ever run into any kind of uh, places where you go, okay, this is this is a really yeah. dangerous place to be a woman, and I wish yeah. I wasn't right now especially a blonde woman somewhere Um, in the world. Yeah. You know, I've grown up in big cities and New York a lot and Paris and, you know, I just sort of, you, you, you get, you, you develop a a sort of an intuitive street. Yeah. You, you figure out like crossover. You always have eyes at the back of your head. You, you're just, you have an insect, like a seventh instinct that kind of taps in. So um, Nairobi was a little sketchy sometimes. A couple of incidences there. There is a, a bead market I go to, which is called the West African Bead Market in an old dilapidated, like broken down building. I, I don't even know the address. It's an old hotel. And it's pretty sketchy right outside. So um, yeah, you know, you just, and in Ethiopia, a couple of times, you just walk a little faster and get on another street or pop yourself into a shop or you know, you figure it out. Same, yeah. you know, yeah. It's it's just being a little less fearful, less not embracing fear, just go with it and change, like move, move into the store, move into the hotel, like find a little nook where you're not, you know, because people are desperate, probably more now more than ever, actually, because you know, the world's it's been turned upside down on every level. So there's gonna be some of that. But that's yeah. part of traveling, you know, part of nav- na- navigation, you know, as humans. Well, get in your plugs right now. So uh, we can follow you on Instagram at what? <clears throat> yes. Um, Stephanie Von Watzdorf, um, at Stephanie Von Watzdorf. And um, I mean, follow me on Instagram. I will be uh, eventually launching a website, but I don't have that yet. <laughs> Not up <laughs> and your, going yet. For your new business. But it's going yeah. to be fashion related or art or both? Um, or? I, both. Let's just say both. Okay. You're very mysterious yeah. about this new business. Well, because I think it's um, it's right now it's in its uh, infancy stages, and gotcha. um, you know it's sort of something I'm very passionate about, and I'm pulling it all together. But it will all be on my Instagram. I think it's the easiest way to connect with humans. Um, it's visual; you see my eye, where it travels, where I go. I will announce it um, in due time. So, yeah, that's great. Well. I'm going to ask you what I always ask everyone at the end. How do you think all this travel and uh, your experiences, how has it changed you as a person? How has it changed how you look at people and the world in general? Ah, another beautifully um, loaded question. Um, (laughs) How has it changed me? Well, it is really um, a huge part of me. Um, it is, it is the way that I process so many things. My inspiration comes from so many different cultures. Um, everything I do is, is, I always think back at some trip that I've taken, somebody I've encountered. Um, it's only made me a better person. I think, um, it's taught me to be more, um, maybe even more thoughtful and more, um, in awe of the planet and all the inhabitants and the animals of the planet. I'm really just, um, yeah, I'm humbled when I 
meet all these incredible people. You know, I was at one point um, this when I was in Kenya, I, I had the honor to spend time with a tribe um, in Samburu area, which is in the north. And I had a blessing from the elders, which is sort of very, very unusual. And um, these these guys who I can't really communicate, but I understood everything they were saying by how they were singing and how they were connecting through their mannerisms and this this beautiful space. And I I, I remember thinking, how how incredible is this? And they have allowed me to come into this and they're giving me a blessing um, under a full moon. And, you know, I, that was a message to me to stay super connected specifically to Africa. Um, and then that morning early, it was like three, four in the morning, my friend opened my zip of my tent and we were in a tiny little three tented camp in the middle of nowhere. And she showed me that they, there were elephants that were surrounding the camp. I could smell them, you know, what do, how do I, how do I know what an elephant smells like? I don't know, but you know, I was in awe and just, so I could, almost couldn't breathe because I was this tiny little micro person in this incredible vast space with these this power of these these incredible elephants and this this world you know so for me it's transport trans um transportive and how do, what's that word transformative yes i mean that shifted you know already the path that was on so it's really um such respect such an incredible um moment for anyone really but it's we, we, we live in the, the, really the most incredible, on the most incredible planet. I know everybody wants to go to Mars, but <laughs> this place is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's actually livable. We can actually breathe here for now. I don't, I don't, the appeal of Mars or any kind of planet or living on a spaceship. I was quarantined on a cruise ship for three days. And I was like, this I is, heard, I listened to that crazy. This is that what, so- this is what being on a spaceship is like breathing stale air and never i just wanted to feel a breeze after a while of air and just like if this is what living on a in a space station is like you can have it i really <laughs> you know what i mean yeah if this is what living in a colony on mars and being pumped fake air and and not being able to, to you know yeah swim in the sea or <laughs> or well, feel, feel feel the sun on your face or just breathe in a deep breath of fresh air then well, Mike, forget it. Disconnected from yeah, you're disconnected from nature. Yeah, it's we need like, it. It's it's we part need of, it. We're animals. We need we need it. It's not natural yeah. to be sitting in a, in a room and staring at screens all day. It just isn't. It just it's bad how, for us. How is your eye now? Um, I can see half of you in this one. Oh, it's still um, maybe that's better. <laughs> yeah, no, you look lovely. It's a um. It's not there yet. I still have a gas bubble in my eye that I'm looking through, and it's. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can kind of see that it's. Yeah, it's, it's kind red of red. And, yeah, and it's it's not all the way there yet, but. Somebody time. told me that the eye is the quickest healing, the quickest healing part of the human anatomy. I certainly hope so. It's not yeah. quick enough right now, but I mean, compared to what they did to it, I've said this before to people. I mean, my God! I mean, they shot lasers into my eye. You know, this t- this took like forty five minutes to do to reattach my retina, seal up the holes that were there, uh, send me on my way. And a hundred years ago, I would have had to you know be blind in one eye. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just no. that's incredible. We got to. St- it's one of those other times you got to step back and go, okay, that's that's pretty amazing. So I can wait yeah. a, a couple more weeks. You're going to be fine. You'll see. For vision yeah. in my eye <laughs> because I can tell you it's uh, not having it is awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's having half of it now is still well, not fun, but. Well, you have one and a half and it's coming back, right? But thank you for asking. Yes. 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 And where, where are you going to head off next, travel buddy? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I don't know. I, I, I've punted for two years down the road, a uh, trip to Japan. And even now, Egypt. I don't think, <clears throat> yeah, well, it's pretty good now. But the problem with Egypt is, um, you know, I don't want to go when it's 110 degrees. It's not right now. There, I know it's not right now, but I can't, I can't fly for two months oh. with my eye. <laughs> oh, so I see. That, that's limited me. 
Um, but I have a couple things planned. I might, okay, I might be good. in the, uh, they're still in the planning stages right now, but it'll, it'll get there. And I can't wait well, to I'm, go. I can't wait. I'm to go. following your podcast. So I'll be, well, thank I'll be you. curious to see where you go. And I'm following your Instagram. So we'll, we'll yeah. all follow along. Good. I love it. Thank you for doing this. And uh, it was uh, nice to meet you. Stay on the line for a little bit. I'm going to end the recording. Sure. But um, we'll see you down the road. And we'll, I'll look forward to your new business, whatever it's called. You'll give us a name eventually. It'll be eventually. sustainable. It'll be That's, sustainable. I like that. All right. Thank yeah. you for doing this. Stephanie Von Wattsdorf, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.